Thank you. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Glad you're here. Um, my name is Philip Brand, in case you don't know who I am, and I'm the pastor here, but I'm here this morning to tell you two things. First of all, you're about to hear a wonderful sermon from Seth Parnell, and uh, so that's going to be really exciting. But the second thing is each year at Easter time, we take up a missions offering, and normally we do North American missions, and we send our money that way, but this year we've decided to... Um, send our money to Zambia, because what has happened is our church has partnered with a pastor over there to start a church, and we actually bought land for his church um, just a couple of months ago, and now we need to build a church building. And so the church building will cost about $8,000 to build, and so between now and Easter, we're just going to take up some money to, that will go toward that. Um, this morning, earlier, because they're you know, there's a time difference. He actually baptized 30 people from the village that he's working in. So, so God's at work over there. Um, he has named the church Farmington Baptist Church. So I view it as a satellite campus in Africa. So, so we're not only here in Farmington, North Carolina, we're also over in Africa and Zambia and very excited about that. So if you'll pray about what the Lord would have you give toward that mission, um, I think that would be great. So that said, uh, Seth, come on up. <laughs> Thank you very much. I don't know why, but I just got the urge to sing, I bless the rays down and I, because God does that through Farmington Baptist Church, it, a different church, but it's still... So God's doing some really cool stuff. That's really cool. We're expanding, sort of. We're at least helping another church expand and grow so that the gospel can be preached. That is amazing. Well, good morning. Glad to see you all here this morning. My name is Seth Parnell, if you do not know. Uh, and I get to hang out with the teenagers here at this church. That's a huge part of my ministry, and I love it, and I enjoy it. And um, I would say they keep me young, and in some ways they might, but they also age me. Because, you know ministry and teenagers, but it's a lot of fun, a lot of fun. We had a lot of them at our house this past Friday night. There was a ton of them, and we had lots of fun. It was very windy and cold, right? But it was still a lot of fun. So <clears throat> we are technically, I, I am starting a new series this week. Um, Pastor Philip has his series that he's doing, but the next couple times that I get up and I preach, um, I will be going through the book of James. So if you'd like to turn to the book of James, let's go ahead and do that now. And I actually have a little video that is going to introduce this series. So just pay attention very closely. Just do it. That is what the book of James is all about. And I've titled this series, Just Do It. And that's what we're going to be talking about. Today, the title of this message is Do the Word. We're going to be looking at that. So if you want to open your Bibles up to the book of James, we'll be in chapter 1. It's a good place to start. It's the first chapter. That's where we're going to be. A couple of things about James, though, is... In the book of James, there are different themes happening. 
there are um, different themes going on. One of them is that there's suffering and trials that James is addressing and how we should go about why there are suffering and why there are trials in our life. So that's one theme. Another theme is this, is that wisdom and the tongue and how to be wise, how to be wise with our speech, how we need to approach others with our speech, how to control the tongue. So that's another theme. And then there's wealth and poverty and how to, how to go about um, those topics. So today, we're going to be looking at this one section of Scripture that really fits in the wisdom and the tongue theme. That's what we're going to be talking about today. So let's go ahead and let's, let's read this first um, chapter 1 and start with verse 19. We're going to read this starting with this. It says this, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. So yes, today's message is going to be about anger and how, through our wisdom, how we should deal with this topic of the struggle of anger. Now I will tell you this, this message may not be meant for anyone else in this room except for me. And I will say this too, that I did not want to preach this message as I was going through and trying to section out how these messages are going to work. I just felt led. I just needed to talk about anger this morning. And um, so maybe I need to hear this more than you guys do. But hopefully, it's going to be a blessing to you guys as well. So anger, there's something about anger. A lot of times we think, you know, don't be angry, don't be angry. But here's the thing, anger is not wrong. Anger is not wrong. Now, hold on. Before you start throwing stuff at me out of anger, <laughs> anger is not wrong. In Ephesians 4.26, it says, be angry, but do not sin. So you can have anger as long as you are not sinning. But we have to be careful with this line of thinking because navigating our anger is very tricky. It's a very tricky thing to do is to figure out where's the point, where's the line? How can I be angry but not sin? How can I, how can I be so frustrated about something but not enter into unrighteousness? So we need, to, we need to understand that there's two, really two types of anger. There's righteous anger and there's unrighteous anger. And righteous anger is okay to have. And unrighteous anger is not. However... Righteous anger can be handled in an unrighteous way. And unrighteous anger also can be handled in a righteous way. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. So righteous anger, we know this. We know God has anger. He is angry when we sin. Um, it talks about in Scripture, there are times that we have seen God's wrath poured out on people because of their anger. Genesis, the flood, Noah, I mean, he wiped out a whole entire race of people except for Noah and his family because God's wrath was coming out on anger. Um, Jesus, in Scripture, we all know what he did with his anger. He braided a whip and he flipped tables because, not just because he got angry, but because there were people in the temple who were selling and trying to make a profit off of the, the, uh, the animals for the sacrifices. 
And he said, you have taken God's house and turned it into a den of thieves. And he drove people out of the temple in his anger. We were actually talking about this in Ignition. And Quinn Brand, he just stops and he goes, man, everyone must have been like, Yo, look at Jesus. He's just out there on the steps braiding the whip. And now he's coming into the temple. And he's like whipping people and trying to get people out of there. And he's flipping tables. Like, it's kind of a crazy thing going on. But Jesus was righteously angered towards sin. And he handled it. And we know he handled it in a righteous manner. And I'm not condoning that you all go out and start whipping people. Because you may not be able to do it the way that Jesus did it in a righteous way. But Jesus did. We also know of a man named Moses. And Jesus was fully man, but he was fully God. He is part of the Trinity. He is God. But then there was Moses who had righteous anger. If you remember, he brought, he led the um, children of Israel out of Egypt and into the wilderness. And then he went up onto the mountain and God gave him the Ten Commandments. And as he came down, he came to find that all of the people turned their back on God, turned their back on Moses, and they started worshiping an idol, a calf that was made out of gold. And Moses, it said that Moses burned hot with anger, and he threw the tablets on the ground, and they crushed, and they broke. So anger is not bad. Righteous anger is not bad. But we can handle righteous anger in a very unrighteous way. I want to say this too. Um, Now, teens in the room, you might get really upset at me here, but it's just, this is part of scripture. It's okay for your parents to be angry at you when you disobey them. I said it. I said it. It's okay for your parents to be angry when you are disobedient. Disobedience is a sin. And uh, it's actually, God, God says that you should obey your father and mother, for this is right. This is pleasing to the Lord. So it's okay when your parents get upset and are angry with you. However, now that I am a parent and I have a little one-and-a-half-year-old, I understand what parents are dealing with when they get angry and their children are disobeying. Now, I know you are saying, okay, Amelia is one-and-a-half years old. Now, you can't get upset with her. She's so cute. She's just a bundle of joy. She's blah, 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 blah. You haven't seen her behind closed doors when it's mealtime, when she is screaming, no, num, num. And we're saying, you have to be patient. You have to, no, and she's throwing her stuff around the, across the room, okay? That little kid is a rebel and is a sinner, <laughs> like we all are. It's okay to be angry at that. I know, she's one and a half, she's still learning. But here's the thing, like, if I'm getting this frustrated and this angry because my little one and a half year old is disobeying me, what is it going to be like when she's a teenager? And here's the thing, too, is I'm in youth ministry, and I know what you teens do. And I know what your parents are having to deal with. And now I'm, I'm, I'm seeing my future. I'm like, oh, no. How am I going to keep myself from killing this kid one day? Because teens, those are real thoughts that go through parents' minds. They are. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. 
Being upset at your child for disobedience, that is righteous anger. Killing them (laughs) might be an unrighteous way of handling that anger. All right? So we can have righteous anger, and there's a lot of different ways. We can be angry in a way that God says that's okay. Righteous anger is basically everything that makes God angry. That's righteous anger. Injustices in this world. Ultimately, sin. It's okay to be angry at sin. But how you handle it is the difference. We're going to be talking about that today. But there's this other thing called unrighteous anger. And unrighteous anger, it, it, something, you're, not, it's not, you're not supposed to be angry at those things. It's not okay. So this would be, let's say you wake up in the morning on the wrong side of the bed, and you are just mad at the world. And the first person you see, they get it. You snap at them. You just let loose. Let them have it. Let it fly. All right, that's unrighteous anger. That's anger that, that doesn't necessarily make God angry because you woke up on the wrong side of the bed, right? Um. <clears throat> Maybe, maybe you are late for work and your car won't start. And finally you get it fixed and you're on your way to work and you're trying to get there and you get into a traffic jam. And if you're in this neck of the woods, it's not a traffic jam, you're just behind a tractor. <laughs> and you can't get there on time. And you are frustrated, you are angry and under your breath, you're, oh, no, no, just get out of my way. That is unrighteous anger. Reason why is because what you're doing at that moment, you're saying, they are in my way. They're getting in, in my way from getting to my work so I can make my money. Do you not think that God knew this was going to happen? Do you not think maybe, maybe even God allowed it to happen? So this is not something that, more than likely, this is not something that's making God angry. This would be unrighteous anger. Um, other things that could make us angry is um, getting the uh, sound on the stream to work right during this service. That actually happens, so if you're, if you're watching today, we apologize about the, the sound not working right away. I think we got it working. I think we're good. That could get you flustered. You're like, I can't, why can't I just figure this out? Why can't I just make this happen? That's unrighteous anger too. So how do, we, how do we need to handle these things? How do we need to handle these things? Well, I'm glad you asked because James actually talks about it. So let's look at this. Now remember, this is a wisdom section in James so everything here is kind of, we need to view it through the idea of, of wisdom, of wisdom. So it says this, and um, let's just read it again. Know this, my beloved brother, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. There's a three-step anger management method process, whatever you want to call it, that James gives us right here. Quick to hear. Most of the time, when you get upset and you get angry, a lot of the times, it's with another person. Because as humans, we don't always see things eye to eye with other humans, and we want to try to get those things across, and we feel right, and they feel right, and so a clash happens, a conflict happens, an argument, uh, quarrels, fighting, that stuff happens. Um, Because we have relationships together. So... One of the first things we need to do is we need to be quick to hear, quick to listen to the other side of the argument. Because maybe, maybe you're not 
actually right. Maybe they actually have some valid points that they need to point out. You need to be quick to hear and make sure that you're listening and understanding in the right way. Something happened just a couple weeks ago between my wife and I. I don't know if you know this, but my wife and I are married. And marriage is a relationship, and relationships often have conflict. And we had a conflict about something a couple weeks ago where Heather said that she was going to do something, and I thought I heard her say she was going to do that, but she did something differently than what I thought she said. And it didn't make sense to me. And it was going to make me late to get back here to work. Um, you know, I was on a lunch break, and something happened, and she was like, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay. I misunderstood what she said. So I was quick to listen, and I, what I received in my ears was the wrong information. And I got really frustrated with her, and I left there stewing and angry with what she was doing. I was like, it, it, I don't know why you did the blah, blah, blah. It, and it really wasn't even a big deal thing. But I was frustrated. I was so frustrated with her. So I ended up, I ended up calling her. I was like, why, why did you do blah, blah, blah? I thought you said you were going to do something else. And she said, no, 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 no. This is what I told you I was going to do, exactly what I did. And it cleared everything up. If I had been, instead of quick to listen, or uh, I guess I should say slow to listen, I didn't listen. I didn't get the right information. But I, I took a step back, and I heard the right information, and it cleared things up a little bit. So sometimes you need to make sure that you are listening to the other party in those arguments, in that fight, in that quarrel, before you are stewing in your anger, before it turns into something that it shouldn't be, because you may just not understand. So step two that James talks about is not only be quick to listen, but be slow to speak. Here's the thing. When we get angry and we just feel we feel frustrated, it feels good to let our words fly. It feels good to take out our wrath on that other person. But we need to be slow to speak. I'm going to let you back into <laughs> our home and back into our issues. Um, Heather has gotten to the point where she has, she has gotten really good at being slow to speak in the midst of a very tense argument. Now, listen, I know. We're Christians, I'm on staff at a church, like, but we argue. Like, that's just something that happens in relationships, and it's how you handle that. That makes the difference. So Heather's gotten to the point where she has become very, uh, I'm, I'm over here poking the bear and pushing her buttons and just blah, 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 blah. And she goes, all right, listen, I just need to take a step back, and I need to not say anything right now because you don't want me to say anything because these words are going to hurt. And I just go, oh. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> that's good. Now, that's awesome that she has gotten to that point. Now, I would say this. I am, most of the time, slow to speak. I really am. But it's not because I'm trying to be righteous or holy. It's because I'm just slow. <laughs> I'm still trying to formulate my opinions and arguments in order to take a jab at her and be right about something. And it might be the next day that I'm like, oh, yeah, I should say, hey, this. And she's like, we are, we're over that. That was yesterday. I thought we worked through that. Oh, yeah, you're right. So slow to speak. Here, here's the other thing, too. Slow to speak does not mean the silent treatment. 
Slow to speak does not mean the cold shoulder. Because in those moments, you're only being silent in order to manipulate the situation. Slow to speak means I'm about to lash out and hurt you with my words. So I'm not going to do that quite yet. I'm going to work through this in my mind before I say something that is going to be damaging. That is slow to speak. That is slow to speak. So step three in our anger management process from James, being wise with our anger, is this. Just being slow to anger. Not jumping the gun. Not just reacting right away, right when something just makes you mad. You take a minute. You step back. Maybe you have to leave the room and you have to think about why you're angry. Is, is my anger actually justifiable? Am I righteous in feeling this way? Or is this something that is just, I really shouldn't be upset about this. This is my own thing that I'm dealing with. And I don't need to take this out on this person because this is just, this is not something I need to do. Or maybe your anger is justifiable. Maybe it is righteous. But the way you're about to handle it is not So be slow to anger. Take a step back. If you have to leave the room, leave the room. Think about it. Think about what you're doing. Put yourself in timeout for a minute. Put yourself in timeout. Here's here's the thing. Um, I I like to take the spiritual and the physical and mesh them together because God created the physical. God has designed our bodies to work in certain ways, and it's good to understand that design. So let me just kind of break this down. This is what happens to our body when we get angry. We have this thing called the adrenal system, and this is the system that is in charge of our fight or flight responses, okay? So like if you get scared, oftentimes your adrenal system kicks in and you run away. Um, if someone makes you mad or angry, your adrenal system kicks in and then makes you want to fight. I don't know if you've ever seen, um, I love watching America's Funniest Home Videos, and there is this one set of clips where it's, uh, um, these kids are trick-or-treating, and they're going up these steps, they're about to ring the doorbell to get some candy, and this little scarecrow guy jumps out, and he scares them. And usually what happens is they all run away, all right, adrenal system. But sometimes that adrenal system kicks in another way, and the fight response happens. And I saw where it was one, ring the doorbell, scarecrow jumps up, and he pops him in the face. (laughs) All right? So what happens is your adrenaline is running when you're angry. And it sends signals to your brain, and your heart starts beating faster, and it starts beating harder, and you start breathing deeper or maybe more rapid and it sends blood into your extremities and your your adrenal system is preparing your body for battle when you get angry this is what's happening that's why you get hot it's because all your blood is rushing and it's making you hot you're you're stewing with this anger the reason it's so important to be slow to anger is because when your body is full of adrenaline You are not thinking in that moment. All you are thinking about is I'm going to destroy this person. Hopefully not physically, (laughs) but maybe. But with my words, I am ready to lay into this person and just destroy them with my arguments so that I can be right. That is what's happening. God knows that. 
That's why God's given us this instruction to be slow. Take a, take a minute. Let your body cool down. Let your, let your, your, your biological system not override. Because I don't know if you know this, but your body is your flesh. And our flesh is cursed and it is tainted. And it is full of sin. And it was meant to operate a certain way, but because of the fall, it doesn't always operate the way it's supposed to. And so oftentimes our flesh kicks in and we just want to go at it. So be slow to anger. Slow to anger. So here's the thing. These are, this is a great three-step method. But how can we be preemptive in our deal, with, in our struggle with anger? How can, how can we set ourselves up not for failure, but for success in the future opportunities when anger might arise? Well, we'll do what God's word says. Let's look here. It says this in verse 21. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So we have to be doers of the word. We have to do it. That's the whole point of the series, do it. Got another little video just to kind of help remind you of this, this idea. You can go ahead and play that. Say, do it. Say, do it. Do it. Do it. Yes, that's Amelia, the little sinner and rebel who I get angry at sometimes. And she's precious. She really is. I have to say that for that. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, do it. Do the word of God. Do the word of God. Let me, let's just read this again. In verse, in verse 22, it says this, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. It is important to do the word. Now, that is an amazing set of verses, and I really don't have time to unpack all of that because really that section right there is a sermon in itself. Be not just hearers of the word, but doers. But it's so important that as you come to church, and as you hear the word preached, and as you, maybe on Wednesday nights when you're in Bible study, or, or teens when you're at fuel and you hear the word taught, or maybe as you're going throughout your week and you're listening to a radio broadcast, broadcast or a, a podcast or something that you are hearing the word, but you let it seep into your heart and change you and do what it says. Do what it says because it changes your life when you do that. It changes your life. I remember being in Bible college and um, we were constantly hearing messages. I mean, every day we had chapel. Um, we had Bible classes. Uh, we were studying the Bible. We were memorizing scripture. We were learning theology all of these things, we were, we were hearing the word of God constantly. But it's so easy to just hear and you quit doing. You quit doing what it says. So how, does, how do we need to do the word in response to our anger? What, what, are, what are some things that we need to do? Well, 
the Bible really talks a lot about thankfulness. It really does. It talks about the importance of us being thankful. The fact that we need to thank God in all things. I got a couple of verses up here that I want to look at real quick. Colossians 1.12, it says this, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Colossians 2, 6 through 7 says, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Psalm 106, 1 says, Praise the Lord, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, his love endures forever. And Ephesians 5, 20 says, Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a lot, and that's just scratching this, this on thankfulness. But you might be thinking, like, what, why thankfulness? Why is that our preemptive strike to anger? What is the point of that? And I'll be honest, I had the same thought when I heard something. I read something in a book. I was reading about, um, it was a book about Christian leadership, and it was a chapter on discipline, the importance of having discipline. And the author was talking about how he was going through um, just some struggles in his life. And he was, he was experiencing depression, he was experiencing anxiety, and he was experiencing anger. And he was talking with a counselor about these things. And the counselor told him, he said, you need to be more thankful. You need to be thankful for the things that you have, for the things that God has given you. And you need to dwell on those things. And the more that you dwell on those things the less you will be angry. See, it's really hard to be thankful and angry at the same time. And in fact, it's almost impossible. Because when you have this entitlement mentality that I just deserve things in life and you don't get what you want, it really makes you upset, really makes you angry. Um, you know, I really deserved this raise, but I didn't get it, and so oh, really angry. I really um, deserve to get a better grade on this test or this paper or whatever because I really worked hard, but I didn't get it, um, and it makes you angry. There's a lot of things that we think we deserve, but here's the thing. All we really deserve is hell. That's all we really deserve out of this life is hell. But we have a God who is gracious and a God who gives us wonderful gifts and wonderful blessings and wonderful things in this life to make this life just a little bit easier to live because it's a hard life to live. And ultimately, he's <laughs> given us salvation. And what an amazing thing that that is. So th being thankful, when you realize that you don't deserve anything, that you um, that you really, all you deserve is hell, but God's given you these things. It makes you more thankful. So here's the thing. I have this little saying that we're going to put up on the screen, and it's thankfulness is initiated by thinkfulness. I know, I just made up that word. It's not an actual word. Don't can't look it up. I don't think. Um, thankfulness is initiated by thinkfulness. When you think through your life, and you begin counting your blessings, you realize, wow, I have so much to thank God for. I have so much to, I want to give back to him. And the more that you are thankful, it is about impossible 
to have anger in your heart. So do the word of God. The word of God tells us to be thankful. And when we are thankful, that anger oftentimes goes away. And it's amazing. Guess what? I actually tried it this week. It actually works. Like I really, I really tried it. I've never really thought about that before. But there were so many things that happened this week. I was like, man, ah, that just didn't go my way. I wish this had been differently. I wish I blah, 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 blah. And instead of getting upset and angry, I went, you know what? It didn't happen the way I wanted it to, but I'm thankful that I still have this. I'm thankful that I still have a roof over my head, a belly in my belly in my food, food in my belly, <laughs> food in my belly. I have a loving family. But here's the thing. Maybe, maybe you're walking through something that just, it, it's hard to, to count the blessings. It's, it's hard to, to look around and say, there's not much that I can really be thankful for. Think of it differently. Maybe God's allowing you to walk through that so that you can grow closer to him. This author that gave me this idea of being thankful, he was going through, at, at, at that time, he was going through a really nasty bout of cancer. And there wasn't much to really look around and to really be thankful because he had hurt in his heart. He had hurt in his body. His relationships were suffering because he was having to go through all these treatments. His <laughs> bank account was suffering because it's expensive. Anything medical is expensive. But he looked back on that and he said, you know what? That was hard. That was very hard. But I grew so much closer to God during that time. And so he was able to be thankful and not get angry at God, but thankful that God guided him through that because he grew closer. He became more holy in his walk with God. He learned to trust God more. He learned to rely on God more. And he learned that God's ultimately in control of everything. So be thankful. When you are thankful, it's very, very hard to be angry at the same time. So there's something important that we need to know in regards to this anger thing. So we have our, we have our three methods, quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to get angry. And we know why that's important. And we know that that preemptive strike to anger, that really the cure there is thankfulness. But what if, what if you get to that place where you are just angry and it is just bubbling up and it is about to come out of you? Well, let's read further what James says. In verse 26, it says this, If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Now, we really have to kind of unpack this because I know every time I read through James and I get to that point and I, I'm, I'm like, okay, bridle the tongue and what does that have to do with religion? Like, where, where are we going with this? We'll get to that in a second. So let's talk about bridle the tongue. Um, do we have any horse riders in the room, any experience with, with horseback riding? All right. If you, if you have, you know that the bridle goes on the head of the horse. And in this apparatus called a bridle is something called a bit that goes in the horse's mouth. And connected to the bit 
our reins that the driver, rider, hangs on to in order to control this crazy wild beast. Now, um, I have a little experience riding horses. Back in my day, I used to ride quite a bit, not here lately, but my wife has basically, her whole life, she's ridden, trained, worked with horses. Like, that's just her thing. Now, I'm kind of going through this weird, uh, it's weird, I think it's fun, this fun phase where I'm all about everything Western and cowboy. And the reason why is because currently I'm recording this kids' worship series that's all about, it's, it's, it's a Western theme thing. So I get to record myself dressed up wearing a cowboy hat and, and a cowboy shirt and chaps and, yeah, I'm talking like a cowboy and all this stuff. And as I edit it, I get to put in all these cool Western songs. It's just, to me, it's just so much fun. So what I do is I kind of get into this world of Western and cowboy. And cowboys ride horses. Um, Heather is all about horses. So what we do at night in the evening, as most couples might be watching Netflix, movies, um, I don't know, just TV shows, you name it. We're over here watching horse training videos. And she is loving it, and I am loving it. And I know that is weird, but that's just, that's our kick right now. That's what, that's, that's what we enjoy doing. And wh- one, of the, one of the vlogs that we've been watching on YouTube is basically, it's about these, these cowboys who, um, they do things kind of the old-fashioned way. And they take their cows on cattle drives, and they move them from this pasture to this pasture that's like 20-some miles away. And they go on these huge cattle drives. But one thing they do is they, they, they ride green horses. I'm not talking about the color green. I mean, these are horses that they've not been ridden much. They've not been saddled much. They're barely broke. And they ride these horses on cattle drives to get them used to it. And it is so much fun because you be watching and you just see three cowboys going in different directions and their horses are just bucking and just going crazy. But they're over here trying to herd cows. And they got their lasses. They're like, all right, get this one over here. Whoa, whoa, don't fall off. Whoa. And then they make fun of each other when they get bucked off. It's, it's funny. We, we love it. We love it. If you're going to control this animal, you've got to make sure that the bridle is set, that your reins are good, that you can, you can have control over this beast. Now, Heather would tell you, there's a lot of different other ways to control a horse while you're riding. There's things you can do with your leg to put pressure in certain ways to make it go a certain way. But when all else fails and that horse spooks, he, and he loses all his manners and training and behavior, You've got to get a hold of him and control him somehow. She's also told me that there's different things, you know, when a horse is wanting to buck, you got to pull its head up. You know, take control, pull its head up. That way it, he can't get back in the ground and start kicking his legs up. Or maybe he's not doing what you want to do. There's a little thing that she's told me that you can, like, pull the rein and it makes the horse go in a circle. It's called disengaging its rear. And somehow it's supposed to, like, put its head in a different place and, I don't know if she could explain that. But you're controlling this animal. Bridle the horse so that you can control it. This illustration here that James is saying, bridle your tongue so that you can control it. Make sure you are controlling your tongue because when you get angry, it is easy to let words fly. It is easy to just let things slip out of your mouth but it is really hard to make it right again. There's a lot of damage that words cause, and it's very hard 
to overcome that damage after it's happened. It's important that we bridle our tongue. Some scripture that I want us to look at, I think we have this coming up uh, on the slide here. In Proverbs 18, it says this, the words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The fountain of wisdom is a bubbling brook. A fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to his soul. Remember, this section is dealing with wisdom and the tongue. Foolish people don't bridle their tongue. Foolish people let their words fly. Foolish people let anger control them. But wisdom and doing things in a righteous manner tells us we need to take control of that tongue. Now, where does religion fit into this? Because it, it says this, as to bridle your tongue, but then it says, um, if you don't bridle your tongue, that this person's religion is worthless. That religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, to keep oneself unstained from the world. So where does this fit in? How does this fit? Well, first off, you have to understand this, that religion here, this word religion that James is using is talking about, um, it's talking about um, the word just left me. Come back, word. It's talking about rituals. It's talking about in a ritualistic sense. Now, James here is the pastor of the Christians in Jerusalem. And the Christians in Jerusalem are just coming out of this religion called Judaism, which is God's religion that man has kind of added some things to in, in some ways. But they're stuck in a lot of these traditions and ritualistic type things and a lot of that has to do with the food that they eat. And they think if you eat certain foods, you're not holy because it's not, it's not clean food. It's unclean food. Now, you have Paul over here who he is, he is on his missionary journeys, and he's beginning to, um, um, Gentiles are beginning to get saved. But these Gentiles, they don't follow the, the Judaistic food laws. They don't, they, don't, they, don't, they don't care about that. Well, if you know in Acts, when Peter had the vision, and the sheet was delivered down in his vision. There was different animals that were unclean. And God said, what God has made clean, don't let man tell you that it's unclean. So it's almost like this, this wall of what you put into your body isn't really as important. Now, if you also remember this, when Jesus was on this earth, he had basically said, um, it's not that what goes into a man's mouth is what defiles him, but it's what comes out. That's what defiles him. So James here is linking this, this, um, this thing that's going on with the, the Jews and the Christians and the quarreling that they're having and all of these fights and these arguments that they're starting to have. And he's saying, if you think that this religious, ritualistic thing is more important than truly loving your neighbor, you've got it wrong. Visiting the widows and the orphans, keeping yourself unstained from the world, that's true religion. Taking care of people and living a life that is holy and pleasing to God, that's what true religion is. Don't get caught up in all these things, and in the midst of that, don't become angry and let your words fly and let these relationships scatter 
and be destroyed because you are not controlling your tongue and you are not controlling your anger. So it is very easy, even in the church today, our church is wonderful, our church is great, but there are lots of churches that they get so upset over something that has nothing to do with theology, has nothing to do with God's word. It is simply one person's opinion and it causes a split in the church and it causes relationships to be to be shattered because they allowed their own opinion to determine how they felt about something and they let their own anger guide them and they let their own tongue not be controlled and it brought damage. We need to make sure that we are bridling our tongue. We need to make sure that if we are angry, we have a righteous reason to be angry. And then we need to make sure that if we act on that anger, that we're doing it in a righteous way. And I will say this, I'm not going to tell you how to act on righteous anger because I don't know. (laughs) I don't know how you can be angry righteously but not sin. I think that's where you just have to really let God direct you and guide you. I know there's certain times that you need to talk to someone, you're angry about a sin that they're dealing with, and you need to go to them with that righteous anger and correct that. I know there's situations like that, but I don't know, I don't know how to, how to, exactly how to handle that. It's very difficult. But I do know this, that we need to be quick to listen, we need to be slow to speak, and we need to be slow to anger. I do know this, that it's good to be thankful to God. It's good to be thankful. I do know this, that we need to make sure we're bridling our tongue. Make sure that we're bridling our tongue. Jesus said this um, in Luke 6, 45. We have that, we have that uh, verse on the slide. I'm going to let her pull that up real quick. Jesus said this, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil, for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. We have been saved, hopefully, everyone in this room has been saved. Our heart has been made new. There's a lot of wickedness that we still have. That's why it's so important that we bridle our tongue so that that wickedness does not come out and bring more damage. So I say this to you today. Anger is not wrong, done in the correct way. Be angry, but do not sin. But the last part of that, those couple of verses in Ephesians 4, it says this, to put away anger. To put away malice and hatred. Put away anger. So maybe in dealing with our righteous anger, we need to make sure that we're not stewing that we put it away, and we ask God to help us to deal with it. So let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for all that you do. God, we thank you for imparting wisdom in our lives. Um, God, we thank you for the book of James and this section about ways that we should and shouldn't deal with our anger. Uh, God, I pray that we would have wisdom as we leave this room as we go into our, our lives and our, with our families and our workplaces, our schools, and that we would have wisdom. God, I pray that you continually shape us so that our hearts are holy and that wickedness is not coming out of our mouth. But God, when we get it wrong, 
Help us to be disciplined in bridling our tongue and not reacting on that anger in a way that is unrighteous. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for um, how you've commanded us to do your word. Lord, I pray that we would continue this week to do what you have commanded us to do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. It's our invitation time. God's working on your heart concerning anger. The altar is open. Or you can just stay right where you are and talk to God about it. Maybe you need to figure out